Hey. Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We're Stacey and Pete, and we're here with a very special episode. That's right. Whatever is going on in your life today, we just want to tell you that we mustn't dwell. Not today. Not Not on on Rex Rex Manning Manning Day. Day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Yes, it is. Of course, we wouldn't have Rex Manning Day without the 1995 movie Empire Records. This was directed by Alan Moyle. And written by Carol Heikinen. We covered Empire Records very early on in our podcasting journey. It was episode 23, way back when, on January 30th, 2021. Yes, and I have to say, I just recently listened to it again. Yeah. And because of the fact that this movie is one of my all-time favorite movies, probably my favorite 90s movie, I felt like it deserved a second pass. A second pass, some more love, some more favorite moments. This was back when we were only doing three favorite moments tops, no HMs, which are honorable mentions if you're new here. And it's Rex Manning Day. We had to do something. It's a celebration. (laughs) Rex Manning, if you don't know, is played by Maxwell Caulfield, who I loved from Grease 2. And Rex is a washed up musician who was a superstar actor and singer in the 80s. He just released a new album and he's promoting it by doing an autograph signing at Empire Records on April 8th, which is today. That's today. Now, like I said, we have covered the movie before, and of course, we already discussed the cast, but we're going to do a quick rundown anyway, in case you haven't listened to the first episode. That's right. I feel like we used to skim the surface on cast because of me. True. He just wanted to name like the top four people in the movie. Exactly. I like (laughs) to keep it short, but uh, now we do all of the important characters because everybody matters. Of course they do. I would hate for the person who played Eddie to get on here and us not mention him. Of course, how could we not mention him? But I don't know if we did last time. We may not have. So let's go. All right. First up, we got Anthony LaPaglia as Joe Reeves. Rory Cochran as Lucas. Ethan Embry as Mark, who is credited as Ethan Randall. Yes, the good old Ethan Randall days. Johnny Wentworth as AJ. Robin Tunney as Deborah. Renee Zellweger as Gina. Liv Tyler. As Corey Mason. I love the way you said Liv Tyler. Coyote Shivers as Burko. What a name. Brendan Sexton as Warren. Debbie Mazar as Jane. James Kimo Wills as Eddie. And Ben Bodet as Mitchell Beck. I like that it was originally written as Ben Ben. (laughs) That was a mistake on my part. (laughs) Too many copy pastes. So you wrote down what our original favorite moments were. Yeah, I thought... I didn't want anyone to listen and then be like, but what about this biggest moment in the movie? We couldn't not mention it now, even though we mentioned it before. So a quick rundown of our favorite moments that we originally picked. You want to go first? My top from before. Lucas taking the money to Atlantic City. I think this was, of course, before we were doing least favorite moments. That might have been my least, but I had it as my most. Well, because it had to be mentioned, right? Yes. It is infuriating to watch. It was. It's also fun, but it's like, no. What are you doing, Lucas? (laughs) You going to go again or are we going back and forth? Let's do it old school. I don't remember. Straight through them. Straight through them. Go. Next up for me, Warren stealing the CDs and the subsequent chase scene. It's so entertaining. It is. Ending with Warren getting blasted with that car door. Yes. And I read that his stunt double, I think, cracked a rib. They got injured by that car door. They took a hit. 
I love Lucas in that scene too. He's so just slow with his movements. Like he's not rushing, but yet he just keeps popping up everywhere Warren is running to desperately to get away. He's just always there. He's like Michael Myers. Oh. In a chase scene. (laughs) (laughs) Like horror movie Michael Myers. Yes. I was thinking. Mike Myers. Mike Myers. You mean Austin Powers, but green. Right, right. Sorry, that's a throwback (laughs) to one of our games on Patreon. Um, (laughs) I was sitting here going in Austin Powers or Shrek or what? Okay. (laughs) My final one. (laughs) Renee Zellweger's hands during the sugar high scene. It is. It just is very noticeable. Like even watching yesterday, I was doing the hand motions with her. Like her hands are just hot or wet or something. She's got to shake them. (laughs) They're hot or wet. (laughs) I love it. I think she's nervous and she's trying to get that energy out. Plus, she's feeling the music. All right. Listen, that might be a better explanation than them being wet or hot. Maybe. But I feel like you're just making fun of her dance moves. I am. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Okay, so for me, my first favorite moment is seeing all of the employees at Empire Records choosing the music for the day and how they did that by picking a color of Eminem. Mm-hmm. Very unique. Yeah, it's just a whole fun thing. Very 90s, too. That's how we <laughs> did everything in the 90s. <laughs> Choose an Eminem color. That's right. <laughs> Next up, Rex Manning Day, of course. We went into, during the autograph signing, how he doesn't like the chair And he's like refusing to sit down because he hates the chair. Right. And also the fans and how somebody's there for their mom. Someone says he used to be their favorite artist in high school. You still are. Still are. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice older lady who's just singing to him. Say no more, money more. Say no more, money more. Say no more, money more. Say no It's definitely not his ideal group of groupies. That's right. (laughs) And then the rooftop scene at the end of the movie, Sugar High being performed. But then after that, everyone dancing together up there. It's just magical. And I love the way that it ends. I do have to go to the vice principal's office. I love it. It's been forever since we went to the VP's office. I know. This is what we do when we realize that we've made a mistake previously. When I re-listened to it, I said that at the end, Till I Hear It From You by the Jim Blossoms is playing. Now, that song is in the movie, but at this particular moment that I was talking about on the rooftop, it's a song called This Is The Day by The V. The V, but I would like to say The V. Is it T-H-E-T-H-E? Yes. Okay. The The. The The. It could be The The, depending on how you say it. (laughs) It's a great song, though. And actually, I read that it's a big song that's in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. Really? I wonder why. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Probably wanted too much money. (laughs) Maybe. Listen, when you're the the, (laughs) you you don't compromise what you need. You are the the. Or the the. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, definitely favorite moment. And before we get into our new list of favorite moments, I also found some more fun facts. Because back then, we also didn't do a whole lot of fun facts. We did. I thought we did back then. Well, did we, we not? did, but I think I just couldn't find them. I, I think that, I mean, this was our first, aside from doing season one of The Real World. Okay. This was our first 
90s movie that we did. Okay. We also did this paired up with Happy Gilmore, another 90s movie. So you probably would have been doing the research for this one, and I probably did Happy Gilmore. Correct. So you let yourself down. But I didn't know all the places to look for fun facts that I do now. You don't owe us any explanation. You're fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, and let's get into it. All right. Let's do it. What do we got? So, speaking of Rex Manning, that music video for Say No More, Mo No More was shot on Wrightsville Beach, which I've been there. This was all shot in North Carolina, like Wilmington area. And it was shot before principal photography, and it was only meant to be like a 17-second dance move piece for the rest of the cast to make fun of. Okay. However, the music video director shot for the entire day, and he gave producers a four-minute, 30-second music video and like i just a full want yes because they show us clips throughout yeah. the movie but we don't get the entire thing the video is on youtube is it really yes this is amazing it reminds me of robert palmer yeah so what it looks Sever- like several of his videos well just when you have the sexy ladies dancing behind him there's a lot of foot action in this <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing listen um, they were in like footloose true true <laughs> it's a little different here but uh Anyway, that's fun. So go look that up. It's a little, it's not the best quality, but worth it. Listen, it was the 90s. Maybe there's a better quality version. Could be. This says best quality. Let me see. Oh, I found a better version. So go look it up. It says best quality. Check the episode description. The link is in there. All right. Next up, the film grossed just $300,000 on a $10 million budget. And needless to say, the studio was not happy with the film, so they did not promote it at all. Maybe it would have made more money if they had promoted it. Exactly. Like, we were there watching movies at that time. I just had never heard of this until it was on video. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it became a cult classic. People love it. Right. It did not do very well in the beginning. So Rex Manning's character was on a TV show that was called The Family Way. Maxwell Caulfield, who played Rex Manning, his sister-in-law is Haley Mills, and she starred in The Family Way, 1966. Why am I thinking of somebody that's current named Haley Mills? I don't know, because we know Haley Mills from The Parent Trap, Pollyanna, oh. Good Morning, Miss Bliss, the Saved by the Bell prequel. And that's his sister-in-law. <laughs> yes. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So Ethan Embry had a crush on Liv Tyler. I can't blame him. I had a crush on Liv Tyler as well. A girl crush on Liv Tyler. I wanted to be her. He told the rap, I just remember having the biggest crush on Liv ever, which was very difficult because then we went to shoot that thing you do and I still had a crush on her. I love that. And I don't know why. I mean, like you said, doesn't surprise me at all, but I don't know why. I don't think that I ever think about the fact that Ethan and Liv were in both of these movies, both movies that I have seen a gazillion times because I love them very much. I love Empire Records, obviously. Love that thing you do. I saw that thing you do in the theater multiple times. Did you? Yes. I was too busy skating at that time. (laughs) Have you ever seen that thing you do? It sounds very familiar. I saw the box art for it, and I feel like I have. Okay. That would be a fun one to cover at some point. We should. I love that soundtrack, too. Another thing that I did not know was that Renee Zellweger and Rory Cochran were dating at the time that they filmed this movie. I never knew that they dated. So they met on the set of Dazed and Confused. Renee just had like a brief cameo, and we know, of course, Rory is a superstar in that movie. Check you later. (laughs) They also appeared in the 1994 film Love and a 45. I've not seen that one. I haven't either. I've never even heard of that one. So I guess Rory encouraged Renee to audition for Empire Records. And then, of course, she got the part of Gina. 
And I pointed out to you when we were watching last night. You did. The stoner logo from Dazed and Confused, there's a sticker of it on the cash register at Empire Records. I wonder if anybody snuck that in or if it was actually part of the set dressing. Yeah, I don't know. It says, have a nice days. Yes. Love it. So Coyote Shivers was married to B.B. Buell at the time, making him Liv Tyler's stepfather. This blew my mind. (laughs) Again, I'm like, how have I never heard this? Seriously, that is wild. (laughs) So wild. (laughs) Wild, man. Y'all. I'm wild. I'm wild. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that was awkward. I'm sure they're not still married now, right? No way. Should we look it up? And I wonder if Liv liked him. That's a good question. Okay, now they were married from 1992 to 1999. Oh, wow. I wonder that age difference. Let's see. He is 57 now. He was born in 65. She is 69. So 12 years. Okay. What year was Liv born? I feel like she's about our age, right? Yeah, I think she's your A little age. older. Yeah. She's 45. She was born in 77. Okay, so I mean, he's 12 years older than her. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Very interesting. That's Hollywood for you. That's rock and roll for you. (laughs) So the scene where Mark hallucinates being at the Guar concert was actually filmed during a Guar concert. It wasn't in the script, but Ethan's character Mark eats a pot brownie and he said that the brownies were made with real pot. It wouldn't surprise me because of the rumors we heard about him being high the entire time they were filming Can't Hardly Wait. Right. Maybe he just works better that way. Yeah, listen, it was the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) And while he's watching the video of Guar on the TV, he then imagines that he's in the TV. So during filming in North Carolina, James Kimo Willis, who plays Eddie, saw a flyer for the Guar show and told Ethan about it. So the director hadn't heard of Guar, but he let Ethan go with it. So he planned this whole thing. Robin Tunney, while doing an interview with BuzzFeed at an Empire Record reunion, did her best Ethan impression by saying, Man, Guar's coming to town, and I think Mark should have a fantasy where he's playing with Guar. And they did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ethan says, Alan, let us take a camera to the Guar concert, and I drank Jägermeister with the bass player from Guar. <laughs> and he also added that they did a couple of takes of it, and the audience was just standing there like, what is going on? Which is saying something for a Guar concert. Right. When the audience doesn't really get what's going on on stage. They're confused, yeah. <laughs> and then they continued on with their show. There you go. <laughs> and who knows if any of those Guar fans ever even saw Empire Records. They may not have. <laughs> so costume designer Susan Lyle told BuzzFeed how former 1980s pop idol Rex Manning's over-the-top wardrobe came to be. She found the purple satin shirt at New York's Trash and vaudeville and then added fringe to it. She described the fashion as being Tom Jones plus Rod Stewart plus trash and vaudeville. It's pretty spot on. It is. I was noticing the fringe this last time we were watching. I did too. It's like when the fight happened and AJ jumps on him, you can see a lot of the fringe (laughs) on the couch. And our final fun fact, I don't know if it's necessarily fun. It's actually a sag because Rex Manning Day is a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Oh, really? So Carol Heikinen based her script on her time working at Tower Records, which we talked about in our first episode about Empire Records. Right. And she said that keeping with the music theme, she slipped in an important date. Ethan Embry told The Wrap, I was just talking to the writer, Carol, and she was saying it's in one of the drafts. April 8th is the same day they found Kurt Cobain. It's not the day he died. We filmed the same year that they found him in 
1994, so it represents the death of a rock star. Nobody ever says it in the movie. Nobody ever even says April 8th, but you can see it on the posters. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. And then it's kind of funny when you think about it, like the death of a rock star is this character, Rex Manning, (laughs) who is just like so opposite. Yes. Of that. You know, I mean, I feel like Kurt might have worn the fringe, the trash in vaudeville. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) More trash in vaudeville, less Rod Stewart, Tom Jones. I don't know what he might have become. Right. Like Elvis started out like really hip and then ended up, you know. He had the big old chops. Big chops. Just like Rex Manning. Just like Rex Manning. (laughs) Either way. Rest in peace, Kurt Cobain. Rest in peace. And isn't Kurt's death anniversary, which is April 5th. Isn't that also Lane Staley's death anniversary? It is. Wow. And it's actually tomorrow. Yeah, the way we're recording this. We're actually recording this on April 4th. We are. What year did Lane pass? 2002. Okay. It's in my Alice in Chains special that we haven't recorded yet. That's right. We need to record that. We will at some point. I just need my editor to go over it and punch up the script a little bit. (laughs) I've asked. Okay. You're blaming me for this. I'm blaming my editor. (laughs) Which should be you, because it's your episode. I can't blame you if it's my fault. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, is it time for favorite moments yet? It is time, and we have a lot. We do. So let's get right into them. Well, you have a lot. I've got a normal, acceptable amount. (laughs) Mine is acceptable, too. It's acceptable to me. I've got a standard amount. All right, so are we going back and forth with this? Why don't you do a few and then we'll bounce over to me? Okay. First of all, when AJ is talking to Lucas about how he's going to finally tell Corey how he feels about her, he says, I'm going to tell her I love her by 137. And Lucas, instead of being like, why 137? You know, Lucas just says, that's an excellent time. Lucas is always very supportive. He is. He's the best. I love how Corey shows up to work early in the morning and she's sitting at a desk doing homework and Joe is talking to her and he's like, you know, you're not on till this afternoon. And she just looks at him and says, Joe, it's Rex Manning Day. Like, of course she's going to be there all day. Duh, Joe. I also love how AJ glues quarters to the floor. And later, Warren asks who does it, and AJ says me, and he's like, well, what the hell for? And AJ just goes, I don't feel that I need to explain my art to you, Warren. That's right. Stay out of it, Warren. (laughs) My first favorite moment, the entire soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. You know, you've got Gin Blossoms, The Buggles, which we never know in trivia, but we will now. That's going to be my default guess to anything now. (laughs) You got the Ass Ponies. (laughs) ACDC, Dishwalla, Better Than Ezra, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Dire Straits, The Cranberries, Suicidal Tendencies, Full Tilt Gonzo, Guar, (laughs) and Sponge, to name a few. The soundtrack was more successful than the movie initially. They crushed it. I mean, this is the mid-90s. I don't know that any other movie other than singles makes me feel more 90s than this movie. And I think this one actually does more because it's got an array of music that was on all the time. Right. There's some songs by more obscure artists and then some that were just constant, like huge radio hits. Right. You know, on the top 40 charts, like Jim Blossoms. I mean, right. That was a huge song. This line is one that I feel like I probably quote the most from the movie. AJ asks Lucas. What's with you today? And Lucas says. What's with today today? You do say that quite often. (laughs) 
And one of my absolute favorite lines from the movie is when Gina sees Deborah after she has shaved her head. And she's like, Well, Sinead of Rebellion. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. And then, of course, Deb has her comeback. Like, I love the interactions between these two. That is so clever. I swear to God, you get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. And you get smarter the shorter your hair gets. So it's probably a good thing you went with that. Yeah. It's a wonderful look for you, darling. They have good bants. Solid bants. As they would say in England. Next up for me, Lucas being very profound. Once again... While he's on the couch and he says to Joe, who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. <laughs> oh, when he says, Joe's like, what, are you, what were you thinking? <laughs> who knows where <laughs> thoughts come from? I also love the fact that Joe tells Lucas he could not leave that couch. Right. And later when he sees that Warren is shoplifting and he. He doesn't quite know what to do. He's trying to get off the couch and he's like, should I leave? Should I stay? He's like keeping his foot on it as yeah. he's like hopping over. And then he picks up the cushion and he brings the cushion with him. Right. It's so, it's just like kind of sweet. So Lucas. It's very cute. I love it. This is a fun scene. Most of the group is in the back. We hear Gina, though, over the speakers dedicating money, that's what I want, by the flying lizards to Lucas. No problem. This song goes out to our employee of the week, Lucas. Oh, a little tribute, man. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. And you have Mark and Eddie dancing, and you hear Gina as it's going saying, lots of money, Joe's money. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it just pisses Joe off, but it's pretty funny. As it should. (laughs) Another Gina and Deborah moment. When they're reading the new roles for Music Town. No visible tattoos. No revealing clothing. We're both screwed. At least you're used to it. They're starting to snap at each other a little bit. And then Deborah's like, let's not fight. Let's just rip. And they rip up the rules. And I love that they realize that they're stronger together. That's right. Because it affects both of them. It's like we both agree on this. We hate Music Town. Yes. All right. Next up for me, I love it. When Deb shaves her head. Overall, it's such a liberating moment. And the song you have Free by the Martinis playing. Best song ever. Absolutely. I forgot to mention that in the soundtrack. It's okay because you saved Diatribe. it. You saved it for this. I did. I didn't want to ruin the moment. Have you ever shaved your head? No. You know no? that answer. I came close. I cut my hair to where it was probably half an inch long. Because I was staying with some friends when I was a senior and they all had short hair. So I just did what they did. And then I also dyed it with hydrogen peroxide. So it was so very it? orange. No. Oh. It was supposed to bleach. It turned orange. Oh. Did you leave it orange? Yeah. For yeah how I didn't long? care. Uh, I mean, I just let it grow out with orange tips. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after that came purple. I remember the purple talk. I haven't heard about the orange. Yeah, but the orange. Again, you don't have any pictures of that. I've never no. seen pictures of that. No, I mean, there just weren't cameras everywhere that I was. I know. Okay, I love when they make Warren pose with the CDs that he stole to, like, shame him. And then they make him pose in pictures with Rex Manning. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part. Like, how excited Rex is. Yeah. And how not excited Warren is. Oh, he's mortified. Oh, he is. And you know they just want to show it to all his friends. (laughs) (laughs) When Rex is at the table signing stuff, we hear this interaction. Hi. Who shall I make it out to? Denise. 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 
I've always loved that name. Thank you, but it's not mine. It's my mom's. She loves you. I've never even heard of you. I've never heard of you is fantastic. Like, that just sucks the soul right out of poor Rex. <laughs> it does. He finally thinks he has a young fan there to see him. And yeah, she's got no idea. Yeah. I'm here for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so we have AJ up on the roof rehearsing what he's going to say to Corey. It's so sweet, but it's also telling that he really struggles to express how he feels. You know that feeling you get when you get out of a hot bath and you just feel really refreshed and nice? Well, you make me feel like... You make me feel like a bath. But it leads into a nice little moment because you have Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits playing. And then it cuts to all of these people listening to music just in different areas of the record store and headphones and just like getting lost in the music. And that's when we also have like this little moment between Mark and this ballerina who's there. And he's like trying to, I don't know, it's kind of strange because it almost seems like he's going to kiss her when she's not paying attention. He was going to for sure. But, like, she opens her eyes and realizes he's there. They have a cute little moment, though. We also noticed that her foot was extremely dirty. Very dirty, and then he kisses it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next up, AJ jumping on Rexy after he comes out of the room with Gina. (laughs) You called him Rexy. Rexy. (laughs) Now, Rex does rock AJ in the face with a cheap shot, right? They're holding AJ back. Yeah. Rex takes that opportunity to Hollywood punch him because it doesn't look like it's that hard. But then the whole crew gets in their own cheap shots to Rex about how cheesy he is and how much they don't like him. Yep. Well, I mean, the fact that he came out of the room with Gina and was like, what, no applause? Yeah. Ugh. And already it's like Corey's upset. It's just there's so much going on. There is. Now, that is soon followed by Gina and Corey having their little moment where Gina is calling Corey out about her speed addiction, which is then closely followed by Corey absolutely exploding with anger. Yes. She's exposed. She is exposed. she's always been Little Miss Perfect. She lets it fly. She got a lot of rage out. That's right. We also see here, though, where it's like, because Deborah then takes Corey into the bathroom and puts her face in some cold water. And, you know, and then she's like, oh, I guess none of us have it together, you know. And it's true. It's like we learn that everybody there has their own stuff going on. I feel like it's the modern version of a Christmas story. When Ralphie's in the sink and his mom's got the like the washcloth yeah. on his neck <laughs> to cool him down. Yep. <laughs> now stick this bar of soap in your mouth. That's right. So Corey has this plan in her mind about how she's going to seduce Rex Manning. And he is going to be her first. Yes. So she goes to Joe and asks him if she can bring Rex his lunch. And Joe doesn't understand the importance of this to Corey. And he says Burko's bringing Rex's lunch. And then we get this exchange. Joe, I have to bring Rex his lunch. Burko is... Joe, I need to bring him his lunch. Burko is... I'm bringing Rex's lunch! And then when Joe says okay, and she just smiles at him real big and is like, thanks, Joe. <laughs> like she didn't just lose it on him. She knows how to get her way. I do picture you there during like the times where you were following a certain group around. Yeah. That if you had the opportunity to bring somebody lunch, we would have gotten a similar reaction <laughs> out of you. I'm bringing Justin his lunch. I'm bringing JT his lunch. Don't say JT. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> okay, so this next one is kind of long, right? But we noticed 
Deb organizing some oddly shaped boxes. They weren't record sized, but they were like record height. So we did a little research and it brought back a little bit of flood of memories. Yeah. So these were called long box CDs, very early days of CDs when record stores still had their vinyl shelves, right? Where they would put the records in and there are certain depth to where you can kind of see like halfway up the record or so. It was too deep to actually put just a normal CD jewel case in. So they made these really long, hence the name, CD cases. So size-wise, these were 12 inches tall, which is the same length as like a 33 and a third LP, and you could fit two separate discs in there. And they really used the opportunity to dress up the box art and stuff like that, because back then I'd forgotten that CDs were very basic as far as what they would print on them. It was always the silver of the CD with black writing for the longest time. Now it's it really has progressed to where they're, they're colorful. Oh, it, it got fun pretty quick. It did. Yeah. But I do remember, I know what you're talking about with the ones that were very bland. So then when we got like Britney Spears with like a big blue flower on it, you're like, wow, this is beautiful. And long boxes, they began to fade from popularity as the CDs themselves, of course, became more colorful. Mm. They became the artwork. And they were also considered very environmentally unfriendly because of the excess and unnecessary packaging. Yeah. So they actually were phased out first in Canada, and then it followed suit in the U.S. Wow. And then the world, the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because we had it paused and we were trying to figure out exactly what it was because it brought up memories for both of us. And I remembered seeing them and always feeling confused by them. I didn't know what they were, but I just knew that's not what I was buying. You know, I was buying a single or a cassette or a CD. That's right. And we found the actual like same CD. Yes. That was in the movie on eBay. Yeah. It's like the section where Deb is like organizing them. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? That's when Deborah's doing it. It is. Yeah. You taught us all something here today, Mr. Tuttle. Okay. So after AJ is rejected by Corey, he comes downstairs and he puts on Say No More by Rex Manning and he grabs Deborah and forces her to start dancing with him to Rex Manning. And it's all like very silly and she's resisting at first, but then she gives in and everybody in the store starts dancing. Like she takes off AJ's shirt. It's this whole thing. Corey's looking jealous. Yes. And then Joe comes out, freaks out on everyone in front of the customers. That actually surprised me. They need to know as well. They're about to get a music town. That's true. He's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to dance at music town. Right. All right. Next up for me, we talked about this earlier, but I love the scene where Guar invites Mark up on the stage and then they eat him. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching Mark's face as he's watching it on TV. And then he kind of like realizes that it's just the brownies that's making him think. Right. That he's being eaten and he just kind of shakes his head and laughs because he's like, oh, I love weed. (laughs) I had to say, I said it a little bit earlier, but the character of Eddie is actually the sweetest. He is. He brings Mark a mixtape and he's talking about music and how it just brings the world together and it's the only thing that matters. Then he's trying to give helpful advice to AJ and Corey. Later, he brings in pizza in case anyone is hungry. Right. He's so thoughtful. Very thoughtful. What teenage boy thinks about other people like that? It's very few and far between. I didn't know any. I mean, we know a few teenagers that I think would probably be that way. Maybe. But. If they're listening, it's a maybe. (laughs) I just love that. Of course, he brings in the magic brownies. He's just a lovable fellow. He is. And I admit that when I was younger, I kind of looked over him. Did you? Yeah. 
because he wasn't hot. Well, I was definitely all about AJ when I was a teenager watching it. Mm -hmm. And then in my 20s, I became more of a Lucas girl. Really? I I found Lucas attractive. Huh. I love Ethan Embry, but in this movie, you just pat (laughs) his head like, uh, okay, okay, Mark, you're cute. But that's it. You know, keep going, Mark. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe now I kind of find Joe hot. Really? Not really, but. (laughs) What about Rex? He's so sexy. Not so much. But I do love Maxwell Caulfield. He's also, do you remember him? He was in the Beverly Hills 90210 pilot. Was he really? He's the one that Brenda meets, the older guy that Oh, Brenda he is. Meets. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I completely forgot. Yes. We talk about that in our Patreon. And finally, this just always makes me laugh. Mark answers the phone. There you are. Empire Records open until midnight. This is Mark. Midnight. Yeah, let's try I just said open till midnight. Like that's like their tagline, open till midnight. I don't know that I noticed that. That's funny. <laughs> it's just the fact that someone heard him answer and then asked him how late they were open. Midnight. <laughs> All right. My final one. We talked about this earlier as well, but the end of the movie Dance on the Roof, especially the three girls like arm twisty kind of tornado dancing. I love it. And then Eddie's in the middle. Yes. They're doing it with him. Well, then they're like flower power girl dancing around him, right? They're like in a circle. <laughs> it just, looks kind of like hippie-ish. It does. does. Mm-hmm. All right. And signs of the times. We have a few of them. We do. Of course, the ultimate sign of the times is that they're working at a record store. Yeah. You know? Listen, they've come back, right? They've Aren't come they back? somewhere? I mean, I think some of them that probably never left. I've heard they're back. Okay. Well, point me in the direction. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, it's not a record store, but something's happening with Blockbuster. I know. Alert the presses. Everybody keep an eye out because their website is back up. We discovered this a few weeks ago. We did. Their website's back up and it says something like, be kind while we rewind. Yep. Something is going on with them. Something is cooking in that oven. And I'm like, if they would just open up the stores again, even if we can't rent movies, I would just go walk around. I would just go walk through. I like I'll pay, pay $250, yes. $5, $750 maybe, <laughs> depending on the late fee. I would pay $10. $10? To go walk Take it easy. Blockbuster on a Friday night. we get popcorn night? for $10? They'll probably let you buy popcorn. You could probably buy movies too. We had an idea, but we we're not did. sharing it here in case we can do something In case we it. actually do it. We'll never do it, but- Don't say never. All right. All right. Now. We always said we'd never do a podcast, and here we are. Here we are. Almost three years in. Almost three years in. The thing about the Blockbuster store is it has to, it has to smell like the Blockbuster (laughs) store, which would be impacted by people walking around munching on popcorn. I don't know that we can sell popcorn in this Blockbuster. Sure we can. <sighs> they also make those Blockbuster video candles, so they'll just burn one of those. Do they? I'm just kidding. I mean, they do make them, but that's not going to be the right smell. Does it smell like Blockbuster? I don't know. How do we not have one? I don't know. Is it shaped like a VHS tape? <gasps> it should be. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they missed an opportunity wow. there. Somebody listening is going to go do that immediately. Cut that, cut that, cut that. Send it to us if you make <laughs> one. We'll be here, brand ambassador. All right. What is your first sign of the times? AJ's hair. Yes. He had rockin' 90s hair, and I say that because it looked like my hair. It looks like your hair when we met. When we met. So cute. That was my model hair. Yep. Very hot. I loved it. Listen, my hair was very healthy at that point. I could do that. Your hair is still healthy. I haven't grown it out. I don't know if it is or not. You grew it out during the pandemic. Yeah, but I I would just put it in a ponytail. (laughs) Oh my like, gosh. well, not even a ponytail, right? I can't like, it's like your a... hair was long enough that you put it in a ponytail. It's so funny to think about. Those were weird times. They were. I'm going to grow it out again okay. and just see. <laughs> okay. And remember, I used to let you cut it. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> that was traumatic for both of us. We had one of our funniest experiences after you cut my hair. <laughs> it was so bad, except then it looked good when you styled it. it I fine. was absolutely able to style it. And when you went to get your hair cut, what Let's, did the hairdresser say? <laughs> what happened? That is not what she said. What'd she say? I, I feel like she said it was a good haircut. She said it was a good haircut. Yeah. I was like, yeah, except it's been like six months and that's not what I was going for. <laughs> but it was a good haircut. It was a good haircut. Nonetheless. Yeah. Good job, love. You made me do I it. I did make you do it. Yeah. I didn't want to. And I cried. You did cry. So you can't give me I was too laughing. much about it. I was enjoying it. I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And it was on my head. <laughs> Oh, I've never gone from laughing to crying in such a short span of time. When you saw it, <laughs> you were so upset. <laughs> it was just uneven. It was. But the thing is, is you wear your hair to one side anyway, so <laughs> it, it worked out. But weren't we going for like the same <laughs> on the whole thing? <laughs> that is what we were going for. Yes. <laughs> I just may have messed up. Okay. Oh. But again, I'm not a professional. You're not. You're not. Listen, we, we watched half a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> we should have studied more. All right. I have to say to you, like, that's such good 90s hair. It's, it's what Leo had and Devin Sawa had and JTT had. And I mean, it was just like the quintessential 90s guy that's hair. Right. We had a lot of hair back then. <laughs> it wasn't super long, right? No. It's like ear to chin length. Yes. But it was very thick. With a butt cut. Yes. Well, could Sometimes. be off to the side, could be butt cut. Yeah. Yeah. Depends. Just, well, you're probably running your fingers through it sexily, so it just fell whichever way. Of course. Way. It's the only way to do it. Is sexily a word? Sexily is a word now. I don't know if it is, but it sounds fun. I like it. <laughs> sexily. Okay. My first moment, I noticed the lampshade in the back room at Empire Records was like the hats that the band Devo always wore. Perfect. Yes. My next thing I noticed, baggy everything on everyone except Corey and Gina. And to me, Liv Tyler's outfit in this movie is like one of the most, sorry to overuse the word iconic, but one of the most iconic 90s looks yeah. that there is. It's right up there with Cher from Clueless to me. Totally agree. Next up, I mentioned it before, but when Eddie makes the mixtape for Mark, and it just means so much to him. He's talking about all of the different songs that he chose, and it was all with a purpose. It was yes. like storytelling. It was like he was taking him on a journey, and it was a real gift because you put a lot of thought and a lot of time into that. And yeah, I mean, those things just don't... You can make a playlist for someone now, but yeah. it's not the same. It's not the same. All right, next on my list, the five-disc CD changer. Yes, I saw that, and I was like, oh. I only had a three disc changer. I had a three disc in my car and a five disc in, your house? in the stereo. Nice. Yeah. So Jane, Rex's assistant, is sitting in the back with some of the guys and she's asking if they like Rex's music. Of course, they start laughing. They do. And Warren says that Dance Party USA teeny bopper type shit. <laughs> which just made me laugh because shows like Dance Party USA and like pop groups, boy bands weren't really a thing at that point in time because right. new kids had faded out and Backstreet and NSYNC were in Germany becoming popular there before <laughs> they became popular in the U.S. a couple of years later. But that wasn't necessarily what the cool kids were listening to or watching. Right. At least not these kids. No. <laughs> 
I just thought that was funny. But would it have been like teeny bopper well, stuff, right? Like, I mean, it would have been in the 80s. It was yeah. teeny bopper stuff. Okay. Okay. And that's like what he means. Liv or Corey loved watching him when she was a little girl. Yeah. And the family way was probably even before that was probably like us watching the Brady Bunch. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it would have been like us going to see Barry Williams, you know, play Greg Brady or Donny Osmond or something like that. Yeah. Who at that point was like way older than they were even. You know what I mean? Like she was probably watching him on a show where he was much younger than he actually was at the time that she was watching it. Yeah, that's true. Does that make sense? It does. But she still was willing to give herself to him. And he's definitely old enough to be her dad. Oh, yeah. Her crush was still there. One more thing I noticed, those shiny ink pens that would only work when you press the tip down and then the ink would come pouring out. What are they called? Metallic markers or... Aren't they like... I don't know, push paint markers or Push something? paint markers. You guys know what we're talking about. Remember those? I remember writing on like posters and stuff with those. And they had like a very pungent smell. They did. Were they using those for the posters for the end? For like the Damn the Man, Save the Empire stuff? Uh, I think so. I'm pretty sure it was when they were making posters. Okay. Yeah. Now I just want to write on a sign with one of those. Me too. <laughs> Next on my list, listening booths. Oh. Now we talked about this. Because here at Empire Records, they had the booths lined up. You could go in and listen to different music, probably, I guess, to decide if you wanted to buy that album or whatnot. Right. I love how each one had a sign in it that said one person per booth. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, people were like making out or listening Whatever. together. But I asked you if any of the record stores you went to had actual listening booths. Yeah, but for me, I can't remember if our local record store had one. I feel like they didn't have a booth. They had a curtain section. <laughs> oh. But I remember it at more of the mainstream stores, you know, like Camelot or whatever it was. I feel like maybe places like Media Play, like the really big chains yeah. that would have been like a music town. Right. And I I remember rather than having the CD there, they would have the ability to select a song and play it off of an album. It's kind of like how they have it at Target where you they have the little or they used to. I don't know if they still do where they have a kiosk and you can select songs or whatever. But you just kind of listen to the music without headphones. I do remember, though, one of the record stores, because I have a picture of it, where there's like a wall of CDs and each section that just had all of the same CD. Like in the picture, there's like Monica and then NSYNC's debut album is there. And this was before I was an NSYNC fan. So it's kind of funny that I have a picture of that. And then I forget what the other one is. But then they had just like a jack and headphones where you could put it in and listen to right there on the wall. Like at Empire Records, they had those set up around the store, too. And you had to share the headphones, I feel like. They weren't like just your headphones. Yeah, they, they were. The headphones stayed there. Yeah. Yeah. So you shared them. Which is gross now. A little gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We were tough. We were very tough. Finally, for me, we did notice the Beavis and Butthead cutouts around the store. Yes. Very, very of the 90s. Yeah. Oh, they were in the back room. Yeah. It's fun. My last one is Deborah making everyone the buttons. She had a little button maker and she did them individually for each person, had their own like little saying on them. She was passing them out. Have you ever made a button? Yes. Have you? I've talked about that. When I was in the Sanrio store, remember when I made oh. buttons that said I met Travis and Shannon at the mall? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> you could put but anything on a button. Outside of that, you didn't have like your own button maker. I did not, no. Okay, me either. I think that wraps it up. Wow. That's fun. Empire Records, volume two. <laughs> 
Done and done. Now, if you love trivia and you want some more Empire Records Rex Manning Day content, you can come over to our Patreon where we're going to play a little trivia. Let's see who wins. I bet you do. (laughs) I'm going to give it my all. All right. If you enjoy our podcast and you want to connect with us, here are some of the ways that you can find us. You can find us on Instagram at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. We're on Facebook at We Don't Want to Grow Up Podcast. And we have an awesome Facebook group, the Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. Yes, you just have to answer a few questions and agree to follow the group rules to join. And our awesome mod Joanna will accept your request and moderate you. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll all have a cozy time. Yes, we will. You can also find us on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod at gmail.com. And if you would like to help support the podcast or just have access to bonus episodes, you can come over to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can donate $4 or more per month, and that helps support the podcast and what we've got going on. And it also makes us happy. That's right. Also exciting, we have new merch. We have so many items available with three different logos to choose from. And you can go to we dash don't dash wanna dash grow dash up dot myspreadshop.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. The the. The the. <laughs> the the. The the. More 90s. 